0: Built to Sell Radio with your host, John Warlow. Hey guys, this is John Warlow. This episode of Built to Sell Radio is brought to you by the Value Builder Score. If you haven't got your score yet, I'd encourage you to take 13 minutes and complete the questionnaire you'll find at valuebuilder.com. It'll give you your score on the eight key drivers of company value. You're going to learn some different things about what drives the value of your business. You'll be able to see how you performed on these eight unique factors. Go to valuebuilder.com. Com. So, if you think about the ultimate goal for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's to sell your company to a Fortune 500 company, a massive, successful conglomerate like Apple. And that is exactly what our next guest did. Carl Sabersky sold his company, Polar Rose, to Apple. And the story is interesting and, and full of lots of twists and turns, which he will tell you. One thing I want you to pay special attention to is the importance of reps and warranties. I know it's a boring kind of topic, but it's really important, especially when you're looking at signing a share purchase agreement, you really spend some time on that section of the agreement. It is something that Carl is very happy he did. Here is Carl Siberski talking about the sale of Polar Rose. <music> About this company, Polar Rose. What did you guys do?
1: Uh, Polar Rose was uh, basically it was a computer vision technology company. Uh, so, in, in, in all essence, they did image uh, analysis and image recognition uh, technology, uh, primarily used in photographies. So, at the early days, what happened is that you have a photo, you upload it online and uh, the technology could tell is this and this is a typical example because they used to do it on, on movie stars like this is bruce willis in this photo and the, the picture can recognize bruce willis and then they can search the web and find you know a million other pictures of bruce willis or whatever movie star it was so in the early, early days that's how it basically worked uh, before I came in, and then we kind of changed things around.
0: So, so you developed this kind of technology um, that allow you to recognize faces. Because I think, I mean, my first interaction with this technology, and maybe you can correct me from, you know, from the old uh, Apple Photos application. You know, you'd, you'd pick a picture of someone you know, and then an Apple would be able to go, okay, that's you know Joe Schmo, and therefore it can go find other pictures in your library. That look like Joe Schmo. So that it's similar technology to that. Is that right?
1: That's exactly the kind of kind of technology.
0: Got it. Uh, and so, what was was there a commercial application? Were they were they commercializing the technology when you took over as the CEO?
1: Mm, no. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> so this,
1: if I if I roll up the whole story, it was it's, it was pretty simple. The story. The company I just came from, exited my first company I was in. And that was a technology, we developed mobile technology. We were about 300 people and we got acquired by a private equity company. And I didn't want to stay on working for the private equity company. So I left, which is a natural reason if you met these guys. No, but they're really nice. But I kind of exited that one and I looked around and and found this company in Malmö called Polar Rose. They happened to sit not too far away from my old office and so I had a coffee with them one day and while I had a coffee with them, I realized this, they have this great technology, but I reckon they have applied it in a very different way what I would have loved it to apply. apply it. And this is back in 2009, so remember that this is early days for cloud, cloud probably wasn't taking off by then. And mobile phones were getting smarter and Android just has had released, but it was very early days. Um, so I met this company and they burned through something like 4 or $5 million of uh, VC money. They were not making any money at all at the time. I don't think they ever invoiced anything, actually. Uh, they have, uh, and they were about two months away from going bust. So that was the company I met back in 2009. And that was the company I invested into and actually also to go as CEO. The great asset they had, I'd say, that was John Eric, who was the founder of the company. and he, He's a super great guy. He was the founder and he was the CTO of the company at the time. And he was the brain behind the whole image uh, recognition technology and the whole computer vision tech stack that they had in the company. So that was the beginning of the story. Uh, and and from there on, I you know, invested into the company. And uh, I kind of took over the role as a CEO and we transformed the company into becoming uh, much more of a a technology for the mobile phones and I I, I would call it actually a differentiator for the mobile phones providers. So if you had, at the time you had Nokia, you had Blackberry, you had uh, Sony Ericsson over here in Sweden and you had Apple was just happening. It wasn't just happening, it was happening pretty big at the time but uh we were kind of a technology that can actually make your phone set it apart a little bit different from the other
0: ones. So I'm I'm confused, At Carl. So what was your vision in terms of how this face recognition software yeah. could be could be kind of jammed into a mobile phone? Like how does that help me as a mobile phone user?
1: My um so my vision was that uh the the camera it's not a camera you walk around, with. the camera is in your pocket. And this is something Boost, it was like the cameras was happening at the time in 2009, wasn't happening at the big scale as today. So trace natural should have a really great camera in your pocket. But my vision was that our technology was a differentiate technology if you were going to take, if the photos gonna, is going to be taken by your mobile phone camera. So you can sort and recognize different faces uh, from the photos you take. From your mobile phone, so instant recognition from your phone, you recognize a face, and you can tag that fame at the point
0: of capture from yeah. mobile phone. And so, if you're going to mobile, if you're going to tag a, an image in Facebook, for example, you, you're you're already tagged in terms of the person it is so you don't have to exactly. upload the photos in exactly. your desktop and so forth
1: and yeah. so that was one thing but the second thing was was uh, at the time also uh, my vision was that so one thing is that the phone the camera is in your pocket it's the mobile phone the second thing was that content and i'm talking about content from, from the content at the time was facebook you know facebook was something that you you know the phones the phone manufacturers very interested to have facebook on the phone because that was a differentiator, it was something that people got engaged with. So if you had a, a really great app for Facebook, that means that you, people would buy your phone because of that. That's what a lot of mobile phone, phone providers were thinking during the time. It sounds crazy today, but that was how they were thinking. But, and the third and the third thing was that I, I reckon that the cloud uh, was something about to happen. And if you what's going to happen is that you're not going to store all your pictures on the phone. You're actually going to store them in the cloud. And there were a couple of players back then that no one really remembers today that were really early into the space of like storing the content you have on your phone into the cloud. Uh, And none of them actually around today, I guess. Today it's more Dropbox and other players that in 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 this field.
0: So let me ask you this, Carl. Yeah, you had this coffee with John Eric's. You know. You, you had this vision for commercializing his technology. How did you, you know the company had? I, I think you, you mentioned five million dollars of venture capital, um, but it yep. was basically running dry by the time that you, you guys met. How did yep. you value the company for the purposes of your investment?
1: Mm, I I'm very much valued jan uh, Eric and the technology they had. Nothing else. And uh, So I and I mean I also guess I valued the the team he had around him on on the especially around him on the tech side of, of the computer vision team he had around him. That was a great asset in, in my book. Uh, but for the rest, there was not that much there that I, I thought I was like super super e- exciting.
0: I guess I was looking more for the financial metrics you use. So the the venture capital firm who invested the five million dollars would have. You know, would have taken some percentage of equity in return for their five million dollars. How did how did, did, did you use the same methodology?
1: Um, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> it's a when you when you I don't know if you, if you ever meet a company that that's just uh, that uh, I mean, company goes through the, the the hype circle. You know, you raise money and you suddenly you're the, you're on the pinnacle. You know, you're very hot. You know, if you go downhill from there. And if you're not allowed able to close the Series B round, you come very unhot. And this company is, was like on the bridge of bankruptcy. There was no value for the company anymore. It was like you either we go bankrupt or you know we give them one last shot. And and I was saying that this is the way I think we should pursue. This is the way we should pursue. So there, it was very easel easy for me to say like you know, I want to invest money and I think this is a fair amount of valuation. Uh, I couldn't. The, the VC himself said, "You know, we're happy that somebody takes on this company with a vision that has a vision for something different."
0: So you so bought. There in was no
1: real. Yeah, you exactly. bought in on actually
0: more favorable terms than the, the VC originally
1: invested. Of course, I did. Super favorable terms because there was like they were they were more or less giving it away. The company, you can say.
0: So you become the shareholder of this company and its yeah. CEO. And tell us the rest of the story. So over a two-year period, it sounds like you were able to kind of convert the company and sort of commercialize this in some way. How did it become a a commercial sort of application?
1: <laughs> we, we didn't become a commercial application. We did. We, we, it went. It went really fast. Uh, but I tell the story. we start off by by um, by developing. We actually we start off by simplifying our solutions to make it easier for big companies like. Blackberry to take our technology, implement it on their phone in their stack, and use this technology. So we made it simple by opening up a library, creating APIs. Very, very simple thing for them. But the moment they realized, when they started to play around with our technology, that they realized, oh, this is something great. We should really owe this technology. And that's the moment becomes very interesting because if you're a small technology company, you a gigantic company like you know, Blackberry, Sony, Ericsson, Nokia, or whatever you want to own everything that gets put into your phone majority of it at least so the discussion became you know pretty tilted very fast it became tilted towards you know how can we collaborate on a deeper level that meaning you know how can we can we acquire you guys so it went really fast from what we turned things around made the solutions simple until we had discussions with some of these companies
0: so Interesting. It sounds so simple in your description, um, yet in your own words, anyway. Jan, Jan is a super smart guy. So, so how come Jan couldn't figure it out and $5 million of venture capital couldn't figure it out? And obviously a very smart you know, venture capitalist had invested a lot of money in this business. And it sounds like you just got to flip the switch and now all of a sudden Sony Ericsson and, 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 and BlackBerry and, and Apple want to buy you. <laughs> Help me fill in the gap there.
1: I, um, uh, it happens all the time, you know, uh, you see great, great companies that just like it, I mean, they stopped, they, they iterate on the, on the product itself, the technology itself, but they really have, they couldn't, and they haven't figured out, you know, how does the market really play? What What's happening in the market and where do I fit into the ecosystem? And I see that a lot of times. Uh, and this was a typical one of those things, you know, they haven't figured out, you know, how does this really work? What is, how does the market work? And it was easy for me because I came from a software engineering company where we were developing you know, all parts of the mobile phone. So I really understood the whole value chain and how it works, how the whole industry works. Uh, so it was easier for me to mold Rose around to become uh, uh, a differentiating part for the, for the industry or for the mobile phone the industry. So it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't much of a. This it sounds. It sounds really weird. But it wasn't much of a. Uh, for me, it was completely natural. I, I knew the moment I came. I knew I, this is what we need to do, and this is what we're going to do. Uh, with with the technology we have at hand. Of course, it's scary moments when you only have. Uh, you know, when you when you sit down with a team that has been burned through four million dollars of VC funding. It was actually five at the time almost. And you know that team is not the most happy team on earth and you know when you have gone from being in one of the hot companies in Europe to being you know almost bankrupt that was the hard part the hard part was to, to manage the team and get everyone on board uh, with the new vision get them fired up again uh, to believe in in actually what they've done for the last 5 years has actually a lot of meaningful value to the to uh, to them and to the
0: team etc did the did the employees of polar have options
1: uh, yep yes they have.
0: And so was that part of the way you motivated them, saying, look, I have this vision of selling this thing to one of the big carriers, uh, one of the big manufacturers, and you know your options are going to all of a sudden be worth something?
1: It kind of materialized later on. But, but when I came in, uh, John, I, I have to say, this is, this is, is so, it was so weird for me because this was the first time I actually encountered into the VC world. I never dealt with a venture. I didn't even know what a venture capitalist was. I thought, of all I dealt with in my whole life was private equity guys. And they're very different kind of creatures. These are the guys who, you know, who use a calculator, calculator and everything, and wants to know your cash flow, and uh, wants to know exactly um, how how you manage your PL uh, margins and all that. And when I when I walked into the venture capitalist world, at least here in the Nordic, it was so immature. It was ridiculously immature. They they were more like, they didn't even care about that. All I thought about like grow big and some company will buy you one day. That was the whole thinking behind it. It was not a huge amount of strategy on a, on a deeper level. Um, it was a very weird situation. with So when I came in, there was like people had options, of course. And I told the, the VC fund, listen, I don't know what strategy you've done here in the past, but you know, you need to stick in some more money here in you know, or otherwise we won't survive. And they did that one, but of course they did at the down round, which was, and I never dealt with how VCs invested in, in before. Uh, so that was something new to me. So there was a problem with that. The employees got a down when We got a down run. Of course, the, the option program is not worth that as much and that was a and, my and For those
0: who, who don't know a down round is when there's an investment round where the valuation is lower than a previous valuation. Typically entrepreneurs want to see that each round of uh, you know investment that the, the overall value of the company is going up and a down round is a situation where the overall value of the company has actually gone down since the last round. Yeah, correct. So here and you I are, don't... you're you're all these options and, and you're telling them that that actually the the business, you know the company's not worth what we thought it was, and therefore your options aren't worth what we thought they were
1: uh, and that was hard, of course, that was hard for people to go and then we created some more options in order to get for new ones, but uh, if you put in four year, four years' amount of work into company and your options are worth you know not much, you are not the most happy person
0: on earth so how did how did so in addition to uh, creating some new options, how did you kind of get the team back focused on on growing and and, and contributing what was the what else did you do
1: um i painted the vision the vision was clear dude. this is uh the vision the mission was 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 clear this is what we need this is what we're going to do and i think people hanged in for that one people really believe that they built something meaningful and i said listen let's build this one and once the discussion and that that's a completely different story, but once the discussion happened with apple uh people got super fired up you know because there was of course a dream to, there was potential to work with Apple, and then, then then later on that turned into you know a potential to actually be acquired by Apple, and I was completely transparent with the company it was happening all along. I was telling them, this is you know what's happening all along, the and they got very 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 excited about this.
0: So the Apple factor. So so I want to kind of bridge. I want to bridge the gap between um, you know you, you first started having these these conversations with manufacturers saying, hey, you know, how can we work more closely with you? How can we collaborate more strategically? All which you rightly sort of parsed as, you know, code for how can we acquire you? You know, how many of the manufacturers had made those sorts of sort of um, gestures towards you um, in the early days?
1: Uh, I guess it was... A handful, at maximum, uh, of, of uh, manufacturers that showed some kind of interest at some at some level. But but John, just just want to just want to say if we back up the tape, I joined Rose, The decision to join rose as a CEO in December two thousand nine, uh, and we got acquired by Apple in September two thousand ten. So in the time between that, we got acquired. We, A, turned the whole company around. Uh, we uh, we kind of developed a whole new product suite. Uh, we focused on mobile for the first time. And <laughs> we had a kind of kind of broken team. So what I did in the first month, actually, we started fixing all the things we need to do. And then I took them to Mobile World Congress, which is the biggest mobile world congress, which is the biggest meet up for mobile phone uh, actually operators in the world in Barcelona I uh, took them there and we demoed our technology we had a great demo and they you know they got really fired up everybody in, in Polaroids got really fired up because they saw you know wow we really have a differentiated technology and I think that was that was tilting people over between between you know when they saw we can really do something and and the acquisition when the acquisition happened
0: Got it. So, you know, fill in the the rest of the story. How did how did the the acquisition start? Did did Apple approach you? Did you approach them?
1: Uh, oh, this is a funny. story. how long have we got? Do you want to hear the story or? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so, uh, the starting point was that we 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 were supposed to have a meeting with a. a uh, oh, this is even better. Actually, tell a funny story. The day before, um, we me and, and the founder jan Eric, we were in. Um, in Seattle, and talking to a cloud company up there, it was a cloud company owned by uh, what was the name of them? Mosi, they were called. I don't know if you ever remember. Them. Anyway, they were called Mosi. we were speaking to them, uh, and the night time we went out, we had developed actually two really bad prototypes phones. Uh, and, and in prototypes phones, um, there was a face recognition technology, so it meant that you know if you take a picture of me or John Eric. We, there was a little buzzer that was called fake. And, and when I took the picture, it either came up his or my name underneath the picture, depending on how great the algorithm was working at the time. So it was a really not a fantastic algorithm we had in the phone. Uh, and we had these kind of demo phones that we, we were traveling around with and showing it to people. And they got, you know, they got a little bit int- interested in, intrigued by, you know, that, wow, we can actually track, put a name to a face. And we were supposed to have a meeting with a guy in, in California the day after, that we thought worked at Adobe, but it turned out that he left Adobe and he's joined Apple instead. So the day we fly down from Seattle, uh, me and Janek has been out the night before, and we actually uh, lost one of the prototype phones we had. And uh, so we come down to Apple. Uh, this is in the afternoon of, of a Thursday, and uh, you know we have these really, really, really bad prototype phones, and we walk into the room. There wasn't a lot of talking going on. It was more like, you know, hi, who are you guys? You know, show us the technology you have. We're kind of interested in that. And we, as a demo, uh, demoed. And uh, I took a, I think I remember right, I took a picture of Jan Erik and the, the, the little spinner went on to, you know, to, to get a feeling that, you know, actually was searching for his face and it paired with name and underneath his face, my name showed up. Uh, and we, I, we just showed them and they said, oh, great, that's very interesting. And they had no clue what our name was. That's how it started. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so you, on, for the rest of the time, on, yeah. your
0: name is Jan. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It was kind of like
1: that. And, and uh, you know, we we understood that there, there was some interest in, in in the technology and what we were doing. And and from there on, we developed the relationship. Um, we grew that relationship, you know, over some time and. And visit them every time we were in California, or actually every time we we're in the US, we visit them and show them things we we're working on, and they just happen to be very, very interested in this area at the time.
0: And so, how did it go from interested conversations to we want to buy you?
1: Um, it's like it's like before uh, before a wedding. I mean, you date for a while because they want to know who are you guys. I mean, are you are you are you how great? I mean, A is of course like how great is your technology that's a basic and the second is like who are these guys would we like to have them in would we like to work with them you know basically sit in the same room with these guys with us uh, and the same goes for us you know we were dating them and we found we we thought they were really great people I mean, very very great people so it went on it went pretty quick from from our first couple of meetings to uh one day they just asked straight out you know listen i think you know what would you guys think about uh coming and joining us over here at apple and you know, from there on, they went. We said, okay, fine. You know, depending on, of course, a lot of lot of things. A is that you know we have to come to an agreement. And uh, but you know, we like you, we we like them, and they liked us. So it was rather smooth process, I would say.
0: So give me the mechanics from there on in. So so mm-hmm. you kind of said, yeah, you know, sure love to know more did they then mm-hmm. give you a letter of intent did you put a price on your business and say this is how much we want for it like what would do they kind of approach you with an loi
1: yeah we asked for loi uh, and they gave us a no shop commitment on that one so you can't shop on it uh, shop it around to other uh, which is pretty normal i guess and a lot of people try to get in there depending did, on how hot you
0: are did you shop the the deal to other manufacturers no. before signing the LOI?
1: uh no, we did actually. Uh, we were uh, we were super transparent with them all the way. Were you?
0: Were, do you uh, think, uh, you, in uh, retrospect, do you felt- think you left money on the table because you you went you fell straight into the arms of of Apple? Do you think maybe? Yeah, but
1: I I think I, I really I, it's like I'm from the Nordics. I never really got that one. I mean when you, when you. I. I, I want to come back and actually, uh, you know, with, with another company to Apple one day, maybe more. And, and I don't want to, maybe, maybe we left money on the table, maybe we didn't, I'm not sure. But I can say that uh, there was, they they, they paid, a, I mean, it, it, of course, it's a hard question because uh, could we got gotten more if we shopped around? You know, we probably could have gotten more. Would we been happier there or somewhere else? Could we get better terms and all that? You know, Apple at the time. you Think about it. Apple at the time in 2010, when Steve was heading it up, it was like it was like no other place on earth. You, you want to get acquired by Apple in 210. It, it was it's just amazing. I mean, we of course dated other companies, but you know, in in God honest truth, it, it was never my dream really to sell my company to Cisco, even if I like Cisco. They were not half as excited as Apple, as I was by, by Apple at the time.
0: So there was some sex so, appeal to be acquired was, by
1: Apple. I have to say there was, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, yeah, and I, you got intoxicated when you were there at, at the campus. It was just and the things they 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 just released the iPad for the first time. There was it was yeah, it was a super exciting,
0: I very think. exciting time. So so you got this letter of intent. Um, yeah. What, I, I know you don't want to talk about the, the, the overall acquisition number, and, I, and appreciate that. So what was your reaction to what they were proposing? The number, the valuation, the, the terms? Like, what was your initial reaction when you read it?
1: <laughs> My first reaction was, great, this is a negotiation to start with. You know, this is what we're going to start with.
0: And did this you think you could do better? Like, were you going to, you know, were there deal points that you wanted to improve on? Or did you think, man, I just want to close this deal that they proposed? Uh,
1: d- no, no, I think it's very open. I mean, you have to be, you have to have a discussion around, uh, around everything. <laughs> it was funny. So it was actually a funny thing. It's like, one of the, when they went through the LOI with us, they said, listen, Carl, it's just one thing I want to tell you. This, when it when it comes to uh, denouncing the deals and and the secrecy and all that, you know, that's a no go. Don't even go there and negotiating on that one. And I said, why not? I mean, you do, you don't want to, you don't want to go, and we don't we don't want to go to Steve and say they want to negotiate about this part. <laughs> I said, okay, I, I get you guys. <laughs> don't worry about it, uh, because that was like super. Uh, everything around Apple was very very secretive at that time.
0: Yeah. So, and Steve Jobs was renowned for that, enforcing yeah. these non-disclosure agreements and ensuring that everybody yeah. was muzzled and there was no, you know, you know, no, no talk about, um, you know, deal terms and uh, and some of the confidentiality. So, so you knew that was a non-starter right, in terms yeah. of the negotiation. <laughs> Were there other areas in the letter of intent that you thought you wanted to improve on uh, that you thought you could, you maybe maybe influence?
1: It helps. Yes. I think
0: it helps people listening to know, you know, that the letter of intent is a starting point, right? And and that y- you don't have to just agree to it. No, uh, true. You, you, don't, you don't have to at yeah.
1: all. Yeah. I agree. So, I mean, it, it is a negotiation point. But sometimes sometimes people confuse this one with, you know, they, they, they and I've seen this one with, with other companies I invested into, they become too cocky. You know, they get a letter of intent and they become suddenly they think they're the center of the universe, and they they tried to change everything to their favor and be really really good but we I think we openly us had a very honest discussion with them saying like you know we think this is wrong we think this is right uh, and what do you think and they they you know they told us back you know well you know this is how we are thinking And we said okay, but this is how we're thinking you know I can, can how can we change this together And the important thing here is I think you, you need to sit if you are true intent to to uh, to make this I mean you're going to get acquired and you want to you want to be acquired You need to sit on the same side of the table and look at this LOE from the same perspective and understand them as well Because they have bosses, you know, they have to report to and they have people on their side What so, yeah. advi-
0: what advice would you give a young entrepreneur who is looking at their first letter of intent? What what sort of things would you tell them to look for and, and maybe negotiate for? Um
1: Lock up, of course, uh, and the mechanism around that one and uh, how long you have to stay for in the company.
0: So meaning meaning the, the, the period of time you have to be employed to get either in an earn out or some sort of transition? Is that, you
1: yeah. uh, know? But even before you get a leverage, you have to honestly, I mean, sometimes you sell because you have to sell the company. You actually get acquired because, you know, you have made so much, you run, you're running so fast that you're making so much money. But I, I honestly think that you need to look into those details. Are you going to be happy at this place? Because otherwise, you know, it's not going to be worth the money. You're going to leave a lot of money on the table. Sometimes you get earnout clauses and et cetera, et cetera.
0: How would, how would so, you coach a young entrepreneur to evaluate whether they're going to be happy being an employee of a, of a company that has acquired them?
1: Find a great company to be acquired by. Really find a great company to be acquired by. That you like, that you like to stay in, that you like, you share the vision with them. You share uh, uh, the ethics they have, uh, and you think they are rock solid people.
0: Mm. What was the the biggest difference between the final purchase agreement that you signed and and the letter of intent? Were there major sort of changes that got, or you know, maybe you could just help us understand what uh, what were the biggest differences?
1: I do warrant, I mean, there's a warranty section in there that is, of course, very, very extensive. Uh, that, that, that comes out later that, that you should be careful about. Uh, and I give, I give that, I give that one. Yeah, this actually. is a good. I send that as a, you know, be very, that's something you should spend a lot of time around. Um, because you you have to know what you get getting, getting through there. And of course, the lawyers are going to guide you here with this one. But that is a section it uh, was learning for me. I didn't even know what it was existing. those kind of when we started. What we had on the table to start with, what we ended up is, of course, two different things. But what we started with was pretty brutal.
0: Yeah, this is a really good point. Um, when you, you know when you're when you've got a letter of intent, there are going to be in the final share purchase agreement. They're going to be what, what are called reps and warranties. So you are representing um, that what you've said through the negotiation process and is is true. So, mm. you know, do, do you own uh, the code? Uh, is it true that you um, you don't have any legal uh, Ongoing legal battles. I mean, these are things that you have to represent and warrant. And 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 in the event that you lie and can it can be proven that you've you've made up mm-hmm. something, then then the buyer can come back to you. Uh, and so this and is clawback. Not only not only
1: purchase they can actually go after you and your you know your private money or you know, everything you have.
0: Yeah. So if key. you have
1: been if you've been constructing a lie or you've been doing not even you perhaps your partner has been doing that one. And you weren't even you weren't even aware about it you can still be held liable for that. Yeah. So that is something that you need to really spend a lot of time to understand. And it's, it's one of those things, I, I used to say that this is, this is something you do for a rainy day. Hopefully the, you have nothing to hide or nothing like that, but you need to spend time on it. Because, you know, when uh, every, everything's going to be sunny during the process you're getting by because you are already half your foot in the door of the other company. You're very excited about, you know, what's going to happen. But you need to to spend a lot of time and investigating. You know how how could this affect me? How,
0: how did you find the 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 deal team from Apple evolve? So in the early days, it sounded like you were dealing with technology people, product people on the other side. At some point, I'm assuming the corporate development people, the M and people at Apple, got involved. Yeah. Um, no. And. Sort of maybe walk us through the, the differences you observed between the product people and the things they cared about, the M and A people, and maybe the legal you know the legal team at Apple. Um,
1: so, so the the product people, uh, we start with them. We start with one of the product guys, and, and he took us you know led us through uh, into the technology technology people, so to say technology people, and they value the technology. And then in the mid of that process, is you had a more of M and A people coming in and speaking to us. Uh, you know, you know, telling us you know what could happen and um uh, trying to suss out what legal aspects are, what what boundaries and what what you know what our obligations are, you know how are we interested in sell and if not, blah blah, etc. etc. So they came in pretty early in the process, I would say, and uh, I just great things to say about uh, the guys that were at Apple. Really great things I would say about them. You you be uh, super team. The guys i dealt with back then they were really really
0: great and, so, and did you notice a, a difference in the tenor between that the front end MA guys before you'd sign the loi and the and the due diligence people that were that were sort of scrutinizing the the reps and warranties? Uh, yeah
1: <laughs> yeah well uh when the lawyers comes in it always becomes something different <laughs> uh that's when things start to change more i guess to towards uh you know, crossing the T's and, and getting the things right in the uh, on paper, and it becomes it becomes pretty frustrating because the MA guys, if you if you if the technology guys are fine, the product guys are fine, the MA team thinks you know we are, we, we we vetted this company, we think we agreed on the terms the general terms. Now let's go to the nitty gritty. That's it becomes a little bit tedious, I'd say, uh, to deal with the legal guys. But it's something that you have to do, of course, and go through that kind of. Legal due diligence, you know, dig everything up. But we we're fine about it, you know, as long as if you have nothing to hide I and mean, if you're super willing to answer all the questions and be very transparent with them. And we were super transparent. Even if this deal didn't go through, we had revealed a lot of things about ourselves. And we said, you know, uh, you know, there's no way they can purchase us if they don't even know a lot of things, all the things about us. And that is a risk. That's a calculated risk you have to do absolutely we we thought and this is how we how, how i how i uh, how i approach this one and i've been through this process a couple of times uh, i think that you know if you if you're truly honest here and if you really reveal yourself and you be brutally brutally honest about this one the other side feels that you know they are honest they're they're not hiding anything uh, because the moment you start to hide and avoid questions they start to become suspicious and they want to dig more and the process just takes time more time and more time and more time and the longer process takes, the, very more, the more unlikely you are to be acquired. Because the likelihood of being acquired, it goes down, 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 long time it takes. People lose interest, other companies come into play, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Describe, so, describe yeah. that experience, if you could, Carl, for when, when all of the diligence was done and, and you actually consummated the deal, the check, the wire came through. I mean, what was that like for you guys? Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it felt like
1: a really long process, uh, it, and uh, in in truth, it was pretty short. But how it felt, it felt, um, yeah, you feel very, very, very relieved. You feel like, wow, we we took it all the way here. You know, we took it all the way. And that was uh, a big, big, big relief for me. Again, I didn't, I was in this fortune situation. This was my second exit. So I I didn't come, I didn't join uh, Apple. I didn't join the team in in California. I stayed home in Sweden. Actually, I went actually to Australia to travel for, I traveled with my family for six months. So, uh, but I felt, you know, you feel, I felt happy actually. And I remember actually uh, the, Team over at now I'm bragging, but uh, but I'm, the truth was that uh, we were we were we were stated as a role model of, of a great company that Apple has acquired uh, at the time in 2010. That was like something they thought it was like how we were how we ran the process and how we set up our company and uh, uh, and the efficiency we delivered in this uh, m and that was like they said this is like state of the art. This is the way you do it do things. Hmm. How did, how did the so it was a very easy transaction for them to do. I think. How
0: did the employees, uh, the the kind of legacy employees for Polar Rose, uh, react to the news? Uh,
1: we actually we we in part very early because we flew over to Apple, uh, and you know we, we let them date you know more or less eighty percent of the team. Uh, so they met a lot of people. Uh, so people were aware, and this was very, very late in the process, of course, but they were aware about, you know, this could potentially happen. They were super excited about it. Uh, I remember sitting and having coffee, actually, in, in the cantina at Apple, and uh, Steve Jobs was just sitting, yeah, I think it was a couple of tables away, and you're thinking, and they were all like, it was like, it was pretty interesting atmosphere at the time, I'd say. <laughs>
0: How did it work out with the the original venture capitalists that that had put in the original five million dollars? How was how was their reaction to the sale to Apple? Uh, well, well,
1: I actually um, that that venture capital firm. I shouldn't rubbish them all because they were, I think they did the best. Uh, they're not existing anymore today, and that maybe proves something for the of them. Uh, I, I kept them in the dark actually for for actually a rather long time, but we were pretty we had a, lo, a couple of meetings, and just before, actually when we received the LOI, that's when I told them that you know we're in discussions with, with Apple and I think this would be a great exit for you guys. And they were they were super excited about this. I mean they were almost fighting you know of uh, wanting to come over and meet Apple with me you know, who should travel from the, from the VC? Should it be the managing partner or should it be the partner or should it be the guy who was working with us? Uh, so they were very, very excited to, to hear about this one.
0: How did their original investment work out on a, on a kind of return on investment basis? Did, did they end up getting their money back or two X, five X, 10 X? Do you get a sense of how they did? Ultimately? Uh,
1: uh, I know what they did. they made X, uh, and it was, uh, High low digit x of the return. High low. Uh, no, how do I say? It? How how do I say? It? High uh, single digit. Uh, high single digit x on the return
0: they did. Got it. So so for intents and purposes, you know, somewhere in the kind of six, seven, eight, nine times their investment, they got out of the exit. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've got to feel good about that, especially since they don't sound like the most added value firm along the way.
1: No, and also they, uh, they actually have written off the whole case in their books, so they were super happy.
0: That is a uh, sort of a windfall they weren't expecting.
1: Uh, Carl, where do
0: people reach you now?
1: They reach me, uh, you mean, my, uh, they reach me at Twitter, uh, you know, my at Silbersky, uh, which is my Twitter handle, or they can reach me at LinkedIn or my email, which is uh, czilberski at gmail.com.
0: Wonderful. And we'll put all those things in the show notes. Carl Siberski, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you very much, John. Thanks for listening to Built to Sell Radio with John Warlow. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit builttosell.com slash blog.